I reminded you last week, and parents, I want to remind you again, please remember that your children's spiritual growth is not, or need not be hampered by these days. Deuteronomy 6 gives you the primary responsibility to teach and train your children in the Lord. Use these days to grow. If you have a need, please communicate those with us. Communicate those through your life group, your life group leaders, your pastors, um, your deacons. All of those stand ready. Lots of people have asked me if there are any of our people who have needs, especially those uh, seniors who might not be able to get out right now. If you, you have a need for grocery pickup or somebody to deliver your medications, will you please let us know so that we can try to coordinate some of that with you. It is our desire to help you as much as we possibly can. Please also remember that even during these days, the bills of our church have to be paid and the ministry needs on the back end of this crisis may be greater than we anticipate. Just because we do not um, gather does not mean that we do not continue to depend on your tithes and offerings to support the ministry of Malvern Hill here and around the world. And let me just say this, if you may be one of those people that's tuning in to our live stream because your church doesn't have one, your church needs your tithes and offerings. Now for us here at Malvern Hill, you can donate online. Many of you have stepped up to the plate and done that. We have had a good week. Uh, I'm not sure how good, but uh, we've had a, a pretty good turnout. Uh, we will get that information out in an email, just to let you know exactly what it is. We're, we're not anywhere near our budget, okay? But uh, many of you have begun to give online. There have been a stack of checks that have come in the mail this week, so I'm glad for that. Thank you. Please don't stop. I would remind you that you can also donate on our website. You can click on the donate link there. I think that there's even a scrolling uh, information about that across the bottom of this screen right now. You can also text to give by texting to 803-274-5550. Okay? Um, I... Listen, we don't like to talk about the money, but the money's a reality of where we all are. So I would just encourage you to keep that in mind. If we don't meet for an extended number of weeks, um, we still have bills that have to be paid. Finally, this morning, before we kind of jump into the sermon in a time of prayer, I just want to give a word of thanks to Scott Taylor. Now, he's up there behind the video camera right now, and he's probably not happy with me for putting him, pointing him out this week. Uh, but he has probably put in 20 hours worth a week this week just to make sure that this live stream can go off without a hitch. He spent, um, he, he was up here un, until late last night just making sure that you all at home could be able to do the things that you want to do to be able to see this and to experience it, uh, to avoid those frozen moments that we had last week and the jumpiness. So y'all do me a favor and send him a text message, let him know. We also had a couple of our guys this week that I just found out yesterday that spent some time building a ramp for, uh, for a, an, another member of our church who's trying to get home from a nursing home. Just know that the ministry of Malvern Hill hasn't ended just because so much is on hold. There's still a lot of folks that are doing all they can to care for the people around them. And uh, I hope that you'll be able to see not just sort of this, this big forest of work, but there are individuals who are going above and beyond right now. And I praise the Lord for them. I'm so glad those of you that are working on our team, it's such a blessing. Uh, Kevin's been up here all week, really putting in a lot of time, um, trying to make sure that we've got all the resources we need. Uh, your pastors are working diligently to do those things, and, uh, and they're not all alone. And I do just want you to know that. Thank you, uh, Ricky, for helping out uh, with the music this morning, Deanna, for being here. 
we, we tried to maintain social distancing on the platform. Uh, and if my microphone goes out for some reason this morning, I won't touch anything that y'all used. I have a, I have a clean one over there waiting on me. But, uh, but just know that there's a lot going on. All right, thank you again so much. This morning, I, I want to begin with a prayer uh, that, is, that is very similar to the one I prayed last week just over this issue. So uh, if you would join me with a word of prayer right now, we're going to pray and ask the Lord to speak to us and to work in us, especially during this time of international crisis. Let us pray. God, we come to you asking that you have mercy and stop this pandemic and save lives. God, we pray for Camden, South Carolina. We pray for our state, our nation, and our world. Father, we face an enemy that we cannot see and for which we are ill-prepared to fight, but we acknowledge your word. Behold, your hand is not shortened so that it cannot save, nor your ear dull that it cannot hear. Father God, we pray that you would hear our prayers and that you would work. Lord, we pray for our leaders. We pray for our local leaders, our state leaders, Father God, our Governor Henry McMaster. We pray for our President Donald Trump, other leaders, international, federal, state, and local. Father, we pray that you would give them wisdom to direct us in the best courses of action for prevention and care. Lord God, we also pray that you give them wisdom to guide our country and our world through what is an economic struggle. That, Father God, you would work in the midst of that. Lord God, we acknowledge Romans chapter 13 that says that we should be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except from you. Lord God, we pray that those authorities that have come from you would look to you. They would find guidance, strength, hope, and encouragement in the wisdom and the knowledge and the presence of the holy God of the universe. Father God, your Bible also says that we should number our days carefully so that we may develop wisdom in our hearts. Lord God, give us wisdom in this moment of fear as the foundations of what we know are shaken. That others would realize how fragile life is and how real eternity is and that they would see their need and turn to God. Father God, we pray that you would protect our missionaries and their families around the world. Lord, we know that not all will be able to stay. Some are in places with infrastructure that just would not allow them to continue to be there. But for many of our missionaries, Lord God... You've called them to stay right where they are, and their love for the gospel of Jesus Christ is keeping them firmly planted. I pray, God, that you would protect them. God, of course, we pray specifically this morning for the Tolbert family, and I'm glad, Lord God, to report uh, to our church listening, and Father God, to praise you for the fact that they are doing well, they are healthy, and they are safe. Father, I pray that in the midst of this, that our missionaries across the world and our believers right here in America, right in our own communities, would see this as an opportunity to share the gospel that father god in the midst of this strange world we live in that the gospel of jesus christ would continue to go forth and that we would honor the great commission father god finally i pray for medical personnel while the rest of the world is running from this disease medical personnel are running toward it god i pray for doctors and nurses on the front lines protect them from this novel coronavirus and from all the other illnesses that spread across our world father from HIV to Ebola and seasonal flu, healthcare workers across our globe risk their own health to try to improve the health of others. God, I pray that you would protect them and give them courage in these days. Father, we pray this prayer in the powerful name of Jesus, who can save from pestilence, plague, and poverty. We pray in the name of Jesus, who brings hope to the hurting, sight to the blind, hearing to the deaf, and Lord God brings the dead to life. We pray it in the name of Jesus who has overcome death, hell, sin, and the grave. And we pray with firm confidence that though all of hell may rage against it, the church of Jesus Christ will emerge victorious. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
For those of you that are home, if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, I would ask you to turn with me. We'll be in the book of Mark, chapter 14. Mark, chapter 14. And I know that many of you are there in your pajamas. Some of you have got your coffee, your breakfast. I'm going to ask you to do something a little different. If you can do it without spilling your coffee, I want you to stand up right there where you are at home, okay? And uh, hopefully you have your Bible in front of you. And I'm going to read to you. And if you would like, since you're at home and nobody else is there to bother you, you might even read along together with me out loud. And they led Jesus to the high priest, and all the chief priests and elders and the scribes came together. And Peter had followed him at a distance right into the courtyard of the high priest. And he was sitting with the guards and warming himself at the fire. Now the chief priests and the whole council were seeking testimony against Jesus to put him to death, but they found none. For many bore false witness against him, but their testimony did not agree. And some stood up and bore false witness against him, saying, We heard him say, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands in three days. I will build another not made with hands. Yet even about this, their testimony did not agree. And the high priest stood up in the midst and asked Jesus, Have you no answer to make? What is it that these men testify against you? But he remained silent and made no answer. Again, the high priest asked him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? And Jesus said, I am. And you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. And the high priest tore his garments and said, What further witnesses do we need? You have heard this blasphemy. What is your decision? And they all condemned him as deserving death. And some began to spit on him and to cover his face and to strike him, saying to him, Prophesy! And the guards received him with blows. Pray with me one more time. Father, I pray that this word would come alive in our hearts, even as we acknowledge that it is alive today. Father God, you'd teach us through it. In the midst of uncertainty and fear, that you would calm our hearts, that you would reveal yourself to us. That, Lord God, we would not miss you in the places where you are at work. In Jesus' name, amen. The cornerstone who was rejected. Now again, if you're with us at home, I want you to know I emailed out a sermon study guide. So it's there in your inbox. We've also put that uh, online in the uh, Malvern Hill Facebook group that was created this week. So that's available for you. You can listen along. You can also use that study guide to work through this sermon over the next week as, uh, with your family there at home. That will be your small group. Uh, if you, uh, let me just say this. If you don't have, those of you that are single with us, uh, get on the phone. Call somebody. Um, work through these questions together with somebody over the telephone. Find somebody that you can interact with. The cornerstone who is rejected. How can you avoid missing Jesus today? See, the scribes and chief priests couldn't see past their own position and plans to recognize the Savior in their midst. In the midst of this unprecedented pandemic, it can be easy to lose sight of anything else going on in the world. Just last week, an old friend of mine had a birthday. I texted him and asked if birthdays could still happen in the midst of a coronavirus outbreak. It turns out that it's true. He still had a birthday and turned a year older. As I mentioned just a few moments ago, a couple of men this week from your church helped to build a ramp so that a man could get home from a nursing home. As it turns out, the world is still turning on its axis. The sun has shone. We've even experienced warm spring days here in Camden this week. You know, we can get so caught up in the crisis that we don't see the rest of the world happening around us. 
Until the outbreak became all of the news, do you know the primary focus of my life was the coming of Easter? Now, Easter is the Super Bowl for pastors. We love it. Now, I love Christmas. I love everything about Christmas, but there's just nothing like gathering with God's people on Resurrection Sunday to celebrate the dead, buried, and resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. But my favorite Sunday is probably in peril. We don't know for sure if we will even be able to gather yet on Easter Sunday. I continue to hold out hope, but we just don't know. However, I also know that even as I have continued to look forward to Easter, many of you have almost completely forgotten about the most important day on the Christian calendar that's coming up in just a few short weeks. Now, you didn't do it on purpose. Your days are consumed, as mine can be, if I don't guard my heart and mind, with news, news, and more news. And let me tell you what I've noticed about the news. Little of it is encouraging. Very little of it is encouraging. It's hard to see past our current situation. The scribes and the chief priests couldn't see past their own position and plans to recognize the Savior in their midst either. The circumstances of our life right now are unlike anything we've ever experienced. And in the midst of the unknown future, the fear and the panic, it can be easy to lose sight of the God who walked among us in the flesh and is interceding on our behalf at the right hand of the Father. Though the circumstances are different, the results can be the same. The immediate experiences of our lives, whether crisis or ambition, can blind us to seeing beyond the temporal to the God who is over all. It is possible that Jesus could be standing in front of us and we could still miss him. The religious leaders certainly did. So I ask you today, in the midst of these trying times, how can you avoid missing Jesus today. The first thing I would urge you to do is to expect the unexpected. Expect the unexpected. Folks, this is as unexpected as anything that I could ever imagine. Just two weeks ago, we couldn't have even imagined that something like this would be a reality. As a matter of fact, just two weeks ago, I couldn't have imagined standing in front of an empty auditorium and preaching in jeans and, and a button-down. But I, I, I kind of like this whole jeans thing. We might get more used to it. All y'all wear jeans every Sunday, so maybe I should start doing a little more of that. We couldn't have expected so much of what's happening in the world today. I drove through a parking lot yesterday, and the only thought that came to mind is the only time I would ever imagine this parking lot to be this empty would be on Christmas Day. And yet there was no one there. The restaurants are closed. Businesses are closed. Schools are closed. People are afraid. And in the midst of these times, I want to urge you to expect that Jesus may show up in some very unexpected ways. Now, Jesus wasn't what the religious leaders expected from a Messiah. He didn't look like them. He didn't talk like them. He certainly didn't deliver them from Roman oppression. The religious leaders expected that if God were going to do something, he would do it in a way that fit into their own mold. But God had other plans. He is God and we are not. 
Are you, familiar, are you comfortable with that? Are you comfortable with God doing something different than you would do it? Different than the way you would have him do it? Are you comfortable with God doing something that would not fit in line with what your expectations of the world might be? Folks, do you want to avoid missing Jesus today? Let me urge you to expect the unexpected. Expect that he may bless you in ways that you didn't expect. Expect that this coronavirus may change the church in a good way. Now that's hard for me to say. But I want you to think about something this morning. In the midst of this global pandemic, with over 300,000 people across our globe who are infected with this virus, and the potential for many hundreds of thousands more to be infected, can I just share this with you? Right now, at this moment in history, just consider the fact that there are more live streams of the gospel than at any other point in the history of mankind. Just imagine the number of people. Some of them may be you. The number of people wandering through Facebook this morning, perhaps wandering through Twitter or Instagram, and you find yourself watching a sermon, listening to a gospel message, perhaps hearing a gospel song and even praying to receive Christ. Do you consider? Now, I want, to know, I want you to know that I don't believe we can go to church on the Internet. Those of you that are sitting at home in your pajamas right now, you might be enjoying this message, but I'm going to tell you what you're missing out on. You're missing that neighbor that sits beside you most of the time on Sunday mornings, aren't you? You're missing out on the interaction that comes about in your life groups as you work together to study the Word of God. You're missing out on that, that personal interaction of those people that pray for you, that care for you, that minister to you. I'm going to tell you, we've, we've been getting messages from our life group, uh, some of the folks in our life group who are saying, hey, as soon as this is over, let's plan a fellowship immediately because the people of God are ready to be with the people of God. I got a great picture uh, of one of our, our teenage girls just this week standing there holding up a copy of our Malvern Hill directory. Her mom sent it to, to Angela and I, and she just said she misses her people. Isn't that where a lot of you are today? You just miss your people. And so you don't feel like you're at church right now, and you're not at church right now, but there's a lot of people, a lot more people than is ever impossible in the history of mankind who are being exposed to the gospel today because of the flood of gospel messages that are coming across the internet on Sunday mornings. The church is going to break the internet if we're not careful because we are blowing up the internet with the word of God. Expect that God may use even this calamity to bring about an expansion of the gospel that is far beyond anything we might have ever imagined. I'm praying that the Lord would use this to bring about a great revival. And it hadn't occurred to me until just this week that the vehicle through which God may bring that revival is the overwhelming flood of gospel messages that's coming across the internet. Join with me in praying that God may work in an unexpected way, even in this difficult tragedy expect the unexpected if you don't want to miss jesus today number two if you want to avoid missing jesus today let me urge you to consider the evidence if you expect the unexpected then consider the evidence is god trying to get your attention is god trying to get all of our attention for the chief priests they didn't think that jesus was the messiah so they didn't really consider the evidence in the book of matthew chapter 11 we read of john the baptist's imprisonment if you have your Bible, you might want to jump over there. When John the Baptist was imprisoned, he sent messengers to Jesus, and he asked this question. Are you the one, or shall we look for another? Now, let me remind you, John is in prison. 
John's in prison because he had begun to speak out against the king in his role as a prophet. John was Jesus' greatest cheerleader. It was John who prepared the way for the arrival of Jesus, and it was John there in a prison cell who sent his followers to find Jesus and to say, Jesus, my life is on the line. I need to know. Have I messed up? Jesus, are you the one, or shall we look for another? Now remember that John knew that he was probably a dead man. He had spent his entire life in his entire ministry anticipating the Messiah. And he sold out on the belief that Jesus was the one he had waited for. Yet Jesus probably didn't exactly fit the mold that John the Baptist had anticipated. I'm just going to go out on a limb and suggest to you that when John began to create in his mind a picture of what the Messiah's reign would look like, John probably did not anticipate that he himself would be in a jail cell while the Messiah was at work in the world around him. John began to worry that perhaps he had been wrong. John began to think that maybe he had missed it. And yet it's in this place that Jesus sends back these words. Jesus didn't just say, trust me, John. He could have. He's God in the flesh. But Jesus loved John enough to do more than just say, trust me. Jesus said this. Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. And the dead are raised up and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. You know, the same evidence was available to John and his disciples as was available to the chief priests and the religious leaders. But they were unwilling to consider the evidence. Jesus didn't simply say, yes, John. Jesus said, John, let me tell you what I'm doing. And John, once you see what's happening in the world around you, John, I want you to determine for yourself whether or not I'm the one that you've waited for. Do I fit the mold, John? Is it difficult today, perhaps, for you to see, John, exactly how I fall into line with some of the expectations? But, John, has anyone ever done what I've done? Of course, John, I am the one. And yet, the chief priests, the scribes, the other religious leaders, they were well aware of Jesus' ministry of healing. They knew of all that Jesus had done. But rather than considering the evidence, they missed They missed God in their midst. Jesus was right there the whole time. And they missed him. Are you willing to see God at work? God is at work all around you. Are you willing to see Jesus in the ordinary experiences of life? Are you willing to see Jesus in the missionaries who are staying put because they value the gospel above all else? Are you willing to see Jesus in the church members who are praying for you? And serving you? Are you willing to see Jesus in the scriptures? Some of you are or will watch this live stream as members of Malvern Hill, but there's some of you who are watching this live stream today or who will watch a video of this later on who 
don't follow Jesus Christ. You're not Christians. And so I ask you this morning, will you consider the evidence? Will you consider the evidence? The evidence that God created the world. The evidence that Jesus existed. And that he was the Christ who was prophesied in the Old Testament. Will you consider the evidence that Jesus did die on a Roman cross? The evidence that he ascended to the right hand of the Father. That he continues to be at work among us. And the evidence that he is coming again. You see, you can't very well claim to not believe in Jesus if you're not willing to consider the evidence about Jesus. The religious leaders saw Jesus. The religious leaders had heard Jesus. But the religious leaders were willing to consider that Jesus may actually be who he claimed to be. They were too committed to their own way of life, to their own worldview. They were too committed to their own, their own beliefs to allow them to be rocked by the carpenter's son from Galilee. And yet there he was in their midst. If you would avoid missing Jesus today, unex- expect the unexpected, consider the evidence And then be still and know. The high priest asked Jesus directly, Are you the Christ, the Son of the blessed? And Jesus answered him directly, I am. No ambiguity here. You see, when we talk about considering the evidence, they wouldn't even listen to Jesus right there speaking directly to them. Perhaps many of us are in the same spot. Sometimes we miss God's work because it wasn't what we expected or because we didn't take time to consider the evidence. Other times we miss God's work because we just didn't want to see it. In the midst of a time of worldwide panic, worry feels like doing something when faith feels like doing nothing. I'm going to say that to you again. In the midst of a worldwide panic, worry feels like doing something when faith feels like doing nothing. Our rationale on these days for not seeing Jesus isn't that he didn't show up. It was that we didn't want to see him. I visited a friend years ago who was in the midst of sinful rebellion. His response was honest. I don't want to see you and I don't want to talk to you. He knew who I was. He wasn't surprised by my visit. He just didn't like it. He didn't want to see me. Will you see Jesus today? You see, like many of you, I've struggled with worry during these times. Now, most of my struggles with worry come about when I have allowed my eyes to focus more down here on my phone or on a computer screen than on the Lord himself. But sometimes that worry has come about because it can feel good to me to worry. I'm doing something when I'm worrying and when I'm trusting, I'm just holding on. You see, if we're honest, there's some of you that would have to say to the Lord right now, God, I just don't want to see you. Because God, I feel better worrying than I do trusting. I ask you this morning, will you see Jesus Will you dine with him? Will you fellowship with him? Will you trust him? You can't go out to eat with anybody else. Man, if y'all were here, y'all would have all laughed at that. I'm going to assume that everybody at home is dying laughing, that is, at that too. 
you trust him? Will you? Would you be still and know that he is God? Well, we don't like being still. I got two boys and two girls. They're at home watching the YouTube stream right now. Hey, guys. I'm going to tell you something different about boys and girls. Girls can be still. Boys feel like they're going to die if they have to be still for more than like six minutes. It's just not in their DNA. Girls will sit down sometimes and play dolls and everything else. Boys even get Legos out and they find a way to make guns and fight with the Legos, right? And yet God says to them and to us, be still and know. Now Psalm 4610 is one of my favorite verses. I run there often. I cite from it regularly. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Now, many of you have heard me say this before, but I'm going to say it again. I, I was a young man when I first memorized that verse. And when I first memorized that verse as a young man, I assumed that that verse had to do with those moments, maybe sitting on a lake or, or, or even uh, on, on a back deck and watching the sunrise. And we could be still in that moment and know that he was God as we saw the world slowly come alive. But that is a terrible misreading of that verse of Scripture. Because that chapter, Psalm 46, is a psalm of warfare. And in the midst of terrible warfare and calamity, when the world seemed to be falling apart, right there in that place, the Lord called on the psalmist to write those words, Be still and know that I am God. The psalmist reminded them, and he reminds you today in Psalm 46.1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in times of trouble. We are living in a troubled time, but there is hope. There is hope in experimental treatments. There is hope in a recovering economy in China. There is hope in Italy's ability to hopefully stem the spread. There is hope in the incredible healthcare system of our country. But ultimately, there is hope beyond our world's greatest effort. These are troubled times, but in the midst of troubled times, times God has not left he will not stop will you stop will you be still will you know that he is God God is there and he has not left often we allow our circumstances to cloud our vision we have to stop we got to stop Get our bearings adjust our gaze and look beyond the haze and confusion confusion there where he has always been is Jesus. I have a terrible sense of direction. Some of you know that about me. I am ashamed to admit it. it is, it's got to be outside of my incredible love for seltzer water. It's got to be the, the least manly thing about me is my terrible sense of direction. I, I, I can get lost anywhere. And, and it's a bad sense of direction all about me. It's a, it's a bad sense of direction driving. It's a bad sense of direction in the woods. I, I've got to be very careful because I can, just, I can just get lost. You know, when we get lost, there's this temptation just to keep on wandering and hope that something works out. But usually what we need to do is just stop, consider for a minute exactly where we are, what's around us, consider our surroundings, get our bearings about us, in an age of technology, pull your phone out and go, where in the world am I? When's the last time in the midst of this panic that you just stopped long enough to look up, to be still, and to know 
that he is God. We're working toward Easter. And can I tell you that coronavirus doesn't stop Easter? War doesn't stop Easter. Famine doesn't stop Easter. Because Jesus has already overcome death, hell, sin, and the grave. I don't know if we'll be able to gather in our church pews on Easter Sunday. And if we can't, my heart will break. But I do know this. God is still a present help in times of trouble. And whether or not we are able to gather together has no bearing on whether or not Jesus got up out of that grave. He is God. In conclusion this morning, these are scary days for many of you. The news is scary. The economy is scary. Layoffs on your job are scary. The question of whether or not you can pay your mortgage or your rent in the next few weeks is terrifying. But I want you to know this isn't the first time in history that the world seemed to be turning upside down. Some of you are still old enough to remember World War II. Even some of you who are younger than that can remember the scares of polio. But it's been far beyond that. For all of history, there have been times when the world seemed to be ending. We read a story of that in the Bible. In the nation of Judah, King Uzziah reigned for more than 50 years. And in that 50-year reign, he brought about a great deal of political, militaristic, economic, and spiritual stability to that country. Now, he wasn't perfect. As a matter of fact, the Bible teaches us that Uzziah died because Uzziah disobeyed the Lord. But what we know is that during Uzziah's reign, Judah, Jerusalem were stable. There's a man named Isaiah who was a prophet during the reign of Uzziah. Now, what's interesting is that Isaiah doesn't really rise to a significant place of prominence until after the death of of Uzziah. It's after Uzziah's death that Isaiah gives the, the overwhelming predominance of his prophecies. But in the year that King Uzziah died, what you might be interested to know is that even though it appeared to Isaiah and everyone around him that Judah was in terrible calamity, God was not silent. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 6, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, high and lifted up. You see, in the midst of that calamity, God didn't send Isaiah soft words to comfort him. God gave Isaiah more than he could have asked or hoped for. God gave Isaiah himself. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. God comforted Isaiah with his presence, not platitudes. Let me assure you today that God desires in these dark days to comfort you with his presence. Will you seek him? Will you turn to him? He will not turn you away.
These are hard days. These are hard days, but they won't last forever. We know that. These are hard days, but God was not surprised, and we know that. These are hard days, but God is still on his throne, and we know that. These are hard days, and in the midst of hard days, if we're not careful, we can miss Jesus in our midst. That's what happened with the religious leaders of Jesus' day. As Jesus marched toward his crucifixion, where he would give his life as a ransom for many, there were so many around him who saw him but missed his ministry. Jesus stood among them, but they missed him anyway. Don't miss Jesus today. Don't miss Jesus. Because in the midst of crisis, he is still the king. And I want you to know that he stands ready to receive you. God loves you. So today, can I invite you to replace your fear with faith? To replace your worry with hope? I want to invite you this morning to come to Jesus. He takes our heavy burdens and makes them light. He takes our sin and gives us his sanctification. He takes all of our brokenness and puts it back together in a way that we can never have hoped for. In the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up. In the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah, the court prophet, was afraid of what might be coming, but God wasn't finished. And I can tell you this, that in the year of coronavirus, the Lord is still on his throne today. And he stands ready to receive all who would come to him. Thank you so much for being with us this morning. I know that it's not the same as gathering with us. And yet I also hope that there may be some of you at home who tuned in with us today because it's not the same as gathering here. Perhaps there's some of you who tuned in at home today or in the days ahead who are willing to tune in to our, our broadcast here because you're uncomfortable showing up and sitting in chairs or pews here at Malvin Hill. But I want you to know that God loves you regardless of where you are. And we're grateful to have the opportunity to minister to you. In coming weeks, if there's any way that we can care for you, please send us an email, a phone call, a text message. Let us know what we can do. We want to be here for you. As a church, we're continuing to do all we can to serve and to minister. I would also invite you, um, if, 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 you, if you have thoughts, send me some ideas about the kinds of things that you might benefit from at home as we consider ways that we can resource you in the coming weeks. Let me pray for you one more time, and we will be dismissed. Father God, thank you so much for loving us, and thank you for the hope that we see in Jesus, the hope that we see in the Old Testament and the New Testament, your promises that were made then and the promises that were kept in the New Testament, Father God, and the promises that continue to be kept today. Father, I pray that we'd find hope in your word and the gospel of Jesus will be enough in these days as we look to the King who is high and lifted up. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.